0: of the Gospel of John has always had an appeal to me. There's something about it that's powerful. And as you heard those words, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was with God, was God. He was with God in the beginning and through Him all things were made and without Him nothing was made that has been made. And in Him was life and that life was the light of men. It's a poetry. It's a powerful set of words. It almost feels like there should be an orchestra underneath it where you could hear the horns and the violins and the cellos all playing as this word, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And it presents this cosmic, this grand, great picture. And then as John continues in this story, all of a sudden we hear this, and there was a man sent from God. His name was John. It feels like, whoa, this sudden transition of what's happening and what's going on. So we're in a series for the weeks of Advent looking at the gospel according to John. And there are four gospels, four stories of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And John has this beginning that begins with this poetry. And so we'll be looking at this section of John in the weeks leading up to Christmas. And we hear this story and we feel like, well, why is this interruption? It's like, why do we go from this big scale of The beginning and creation and light and life and all these. And all of a sudden there's a man sent from God whose name was John. And then you start to wonder, well, who's this John guy? And why are we listening and why are we hearing about him? And what's the significance of what and who he was and everything that's going on? But we start with those opening sentences where there's this link to creation. Where it says, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And so we have this cosmic story and then we get that man who's introduced. And it says this about him. It says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to the light to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. And so I want us to think a little bit about why John tells us about John. And there are two different Johns in case you're wondering, you think, "Wait, well, well, he's talking about himself. He's not talking about himself. There's a different John here." And so, he's, why is he talking about him, and what's the significance of it? One is, as you begin that story of "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was with God," it kind of sounds like this big, far away, and distant thing. And then we're introduced to a man named John, and we get the idea that here's something that grounds us in history. We might not be able to connect or relate to creation and the stars spinning into existence, but we can connect with somebody else, with an individual, but with somebody named John. And it says that this man was sent from God. And so it begins with God's initiative, that God is still doing stuff. Even as God created, now God is sending this man into the world. And what's he send him to do? He says, it says he came as a witness to testify, or kind of in a sense, he came as a witness to witness. What's a witness? Just somebody who's seen something, right? We understand that. It's not a, not a word that's unique to the Bible. It's a witness who's just seen something happening. You witness an accident happening. And, you, and then when you're called to court, what do you do? You testify. You tell what you've seen. And so John here is a witness who's come to witness. And as we start this book of John, we realize this word witness becomes a significant word. probably 50 times in this gospel at least, that this idea of witnessing is important. And then it says, what did he witness? Well, he, he witnessed about what? The light. Why? So that through him all men might believe. And this takes us back to, if you were here last week, we talked a little bit about this. John wrote this gospel, and at the end of the gospel, he tells us why he wrote it. And he says this in John 20, 31. He says, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. And you notice when John is introduced, it's the same thing. He, He witnesses to the light. Why? So that through Him, all might believe. And so there's this connection to what's going on. That John comes into the world and he has a job to do. His job is to witness, to point to the light, so that through the light people might believe, and through believing they might have life. So John is taking this big picture scale and saying, why are we we concerned with the beginning and the word and the light, the light and this creation? Why? Because that light, that word, that creation is the source of life. And so later in the story as we read the gospel, we learn that this one called the word, the word becomes flesh, John tells us in verse 14. And then we learn that he's talking about Jesus. And so he's saying, In Jesus, there is life. Jesus, the God who created all things, is the source of life. And the reason John was sent by God was to tell people about Jesus so that through Jesus, people might have life. That was his job. That's what he was called to do. So we think, but it's connected to who we are. And there's a direct connection. John makes it later in his gospel in chapter 20, verse 21. And it says, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And so he's talking to his first followers and he's saying, I'm sending you. And it's that same language of just as God sent John. So now Jesus, God in the flesh, sends his followers to be witnesses to the light. And so I want us to think about what does it mean to be a witness to the light? How do we do that? And so it's one of those topics that in church, there's a couple of topics that always get people a little concerned and worried. One is talking about money, and the second is evangelism, or sharing the good news about witnessing. And it can be a little scary, and I know why it's scary, because I get the same feeling. One, it can be a little uncomfortable to hear about it because it can be scary to talk to somebody else about Jesus. We're going to talk about why it can be scary. But the other reason that sometimes it can be uncomfortable to talk about is because sometimes we feel a little guilty because we don't do it as much as we should or we would like to. And I know that feeling myself. I keep thinking, oh, I should be telling more people about Jesus. And then I start to feel a little bit guilty. It's like, well, I don't do it. And then Then I come and I'm reading the passage for this week and it's all about telling people about Jesus. And I think, well, I get to get up and preach to people about the need to share Jesus when I'm not doing a very good job of it myself. So sometimes the sermon is just for me. You can listen in and see what God is inviting us this story of telling about Jesus. The first concept I want us to get in our head is when it says that John came, he came as a witness to testify concerning the light. In other words, when we're practicing evangelism or witnessing, what's our primary goal? Our primary focus is to tell people about what about our church, about Jesus. It's not to tell people about our church. It's not to tell people about how good we are. It's not even to tell people about the Bible. And sometimes we get that a little confused. We get confused and we get focused on, I'm inviting people to church. I'm telling people about my church and how wonderful the music is and the pastor's not too bad either and it's all these great things going on. Or I'm telling them about the Bible and you really need to be reading your Bible. What I want us to remember is when we are called to witness, when we are called to testify, the thing we are called to talk about is not a thing, it's a person. And the person is Jesus. And to share about who He is. And so... It can begin with, you know, what God has done with me and with us. You know, talking about how God has worked in our lives and through us. Maybe it's sharing about how you've known God. And I think sometimes these are the most powerful stories. Is to simply tell about how Jesus has made a difference in your life. Because people can't argue, people can argue with all kinds of things, can't they? And that's one of the other reasons we sometimes don't like to share about our faith is because we know people will have objections, they'll have concerns, they'll, what if they ask me questions I don't understand? But you know your own story. You know how Jesus has made a difference in your own life. And people really can't argue with that. If you say, this is who I was, and as we read through at, the, at after Christmas, we're going to be looking through the Gospel of John. There are a number of stories of people who encounter Jesus and then they go and share about Jesus. And they don't get into big, long theological treatises and diatribes and explanations. They just say, I met this man, Jesus, and this is what he did for me. I met this man, Jesus, and this is how I'm different because of that. And so, as we're witnessing or testifying to Jesus, part of it is to say, this is who I was, and now this is who I am. And it's because of Jesus. And we're always pointing back to Jesus saying, this is the work that Jesus has done in my life. Or we might not even talk about what Jesus has done in our lives as a person. Maybe it's how Jesus has worked in a family or in the church as a community. To say, this is what God has done. This is how Jesus has worked in the change. Now, that's just the start of a conversation. It's the beginning of a conversation. But what I found is people can't argue with that. Well, okay. Some people can argue with anything, right? (laughs) But for the most part, if we simply tell our story and say, this is what Jesus has done or this is how Jesus is helping me. And it may just simply be, Something thinking through, during this last year when things were so hard, this is how Jesus helped me. When my mom was sick, this is what Jesus was doing for me. When I was struggling in school or when I had this issue at work, this is how Jesus worked in my life, and this is how I was helped by Jesus. Now, that's not all the story we have to tell, but what you're ultimately doing is pointing back to Jesus. You're doing like John... You came as a witness to testify concerning the light. So the story isn't on you, but it's on Jesus. Now, one of the challenges in today's world is that it it is hard because we live in a changing world. I remember when I first really became committed to who Jesus was back in my late 20s. 30 years ago or so for me, so... um, and during those years in the early, early 1990s, there was a different feeling that I learned when I share about Jesus. I was given a number of different presentations. And if you grew up around the church, you probably were taught a way to present the gospel. And gospel is simply a word that means the good news and the good news about Jesus. And so maybe you learned the four spiritual laws, or maybe you learned the Roman road, or maybe you learned the ABC. There's a half dozen, probably dozens of different, the bridge illustration. And so some of you have been around church. Maybe all those ring a bell and others of you think, oh, what is he talking about? This was the way that many of us learned to share about Jesus. Was there was a whole series or there was another one called Evangelism Explosion, which was a popular where you'd go knocking on someone's door and you would start the conversation with, if you die tonight, do you know where you're going? it was very popular and very effective back in the 1970s and 1980s. How many of you would like to do that today? Some of you might. But what you might find is in things like the Roman Road, where it talks with this, like, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God and, and the free gift of God is in Jesus. And this story is what we find in today's culture is, and as you talk to people... People know less and less about the Bible, less and less about who Jesus is. I was listening to a, a podcast, a conversation with this uh, woman who works for what's called now Crew, used to be known as Campus Crusade for Christ, this organization that works on college campuses. And she was telling a story. She was doing these interviews um, on campus, and this young woman was there, and she was. They were going around. They were doing this religion interview, and she went to this one young woman who had grown up in, on a farm in, in Washington State. And the first question was, what does Jesus Christ mean to you? And she tells the story, she said, I will not forget the look on this young woman's face because she had absolutely no idea what I was talking about. She had absolutely, and this again, she didn't grow up in the midst of a city, but grew up... We think of, you know, the farms of America and the heartland, know these things. But she had never even heard the name Jesus. And so, if we go to somebody and say, would you turn with me in your Bible to the book of John and we'll learn about who Jesus is? Or let's go to the book of Romans. They might say, who's Romans? Or who's John? What? What? what do you? And, and Or maybe even say, well what do I care about the Bible? I mean, I've got my book and you've got your book. And and so there's a lot of challenges in today's society to begin to recognize that people come from many different places. So what I've found is that these old, older ways of communicating the gospel, of communicating the good news, don't work as well. Now, will they work sometimes? Absolutely. But What do we do in a society, in a culture? How do we witness testifying to Jesus? How do we talk about Him in a world that knows less and less about Jesus? Or in a world in which there's more and more inclination to say, well, you've got your beliefs and I've got my beliefs. A world of what we call pluralism, where there's lots of different things. Or a world where people practice buffet religion, right? where you just kind of pick and choose a little bit and so you'll meet somebody and they're like, well, I like this thing and I like that and I'll take a little bit from here and a little bit from here. and It's like a potluck. It's great because you don't have to eat just one thing. But it doesn't always work so well for religion because we say, well, I like this element of Hinduism and I like this element of New Age and I got a little bit of Wicca here and we'll top it off with a little bit of Jesus and then I'll go over to the dessert table and I'll get a little bit of Hinduism. And so people have a tendency to kind of pick these things and and say, or I'm spiritual but not religious. All kinds of phrases and things. But it's a challenge to say, well, how do we begin to do it? And I think one of the keys is moving from presentation to conversation. To move from present. And that's hard because presentation is nice because you're done. You come in and you say, okay, you want to hear about Jesus Here's my four points. One, two, three, four. Here's my drawing, and here's the little bridge. Cross across the bridge, and you're to God. And Okay, any questions? And you hope that in 10 or 15 minutes, you're all done. And that the people at the end, you say, okay, yes or no? Are you in or you're out? Witnessing, testifying, evangelizing in today's world takes a lot longer. And that's hard because there's this strange feeling where we're in a world where everything is getting faster and faster. I mean if my computer takes more than three seconds to start, I'm like, what are you doing here? If my internet doesn't if I don't click on a website and it pops up, I'm like, come what is going on here? How quickly I have forgotten and some of you remember this like the you know the, the squeal of a modem. When you logged onto an internet, I remember the first one, I got my first computer, I was just so excited. Oh, there's this thing called the World Wide Web, and you'd start it up, and it was hooked to your phone line, and you'd turn it on. And some of you who are a bit younger, like, just look up a YouTube video or a TikTok about modems. And it was just a squealing noise, and like five minutes later, like my, the website would come up, and then you'd, you'd click on a page, and you'd go, and you'd fix your lunch, and you'd come back, and the next page would be up. And so we're in a world in which things move, are moving faster and faster and faster. But here it's going the exact opposite, that the presentation of Jesus isn't going faster and faster and faster. In fact, it's going slower and slower and slower. It takes a long time. It takes a series of conversations to begin to talk with someone and begin to get to know who they are and to hear those. And so we've talked here at Fruitland about this thing in our denomination, the Evangelical Covenant Church uses, called Bless which is just a helpful acronym to think about how we share Jesus with others. And so the word's BLESS, B-L-E-S-S. And so we're going to just review those a little bit and talk a little bit of. So first two are begin with prayer. And so we start by praying. Maybe the prayer is starting for ourselves. Like, God, help me out here. God, help me. Give me the words to say. Help me to know when not to talk. Because the next one is to listen. And this is perhaps... One of the most critical of them all is, is the ability to listen. We're going to come back to that, but I'm going to finish up what they are. So then you eat together. And so sharing meals with people and you, and you serve the person and then you share your story and God's story. So we begin with prayer. We, we listen with love. We eat together. We serve with love and we share our story. So they say, but one of the biggest things is that idea of listening. And that's why I said it's a conversation. It's the ability to listen in and to hear where other people are. Instead of rushing to, here's the thing, but to listen. And part of the listening then maybe is to find out, what do they know? Where are they at? What's going on in their lives? And I think the challenge then often for some of us is, and I know it is for me, when we hear something, for example, someone says, oh yeah, so you're one of those people, huh? the christians well they are unkind they're uncaring they're homophobic they you know they hate immigrants whatever the long list is of people or i've been to church before and i know what people are like there my initial inclination oftentimes is to rush to the defense to say no 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 not everybody's like that or maybe to say i got a great youtube video you should watch but instead maybe the next step is just to simply begin with our magic words and say, tell me more. To listen to that story, to see where they're coming from, to understand what they're doing. And so if the, the person's sitting there and they're talking about, they're saying, well, I've been having this struggle in life and my mother-in-law, she's been sharing with me about, about n- new age and how that can be helpful and stuff. Instead of rushing, say, oh, no, no, you don't want to do that new age stuff. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. Relates to Gnosticism, which is an early first century heresy, and about, whoa, stop for a minute. Maybe instead, what we're going to do is to say, oh, well, tell me more about how that's helped you. That's not what I want to do. I want to tell them why they're wrong, about why Jesus is the better way. And we're going to get there, but we just need to be willing to be patient and take a little longer to get there. So maybe it's saying, well, tell me more about why you think that about Jesus or why you think that, that about Allah or tell me why you underthink that about the church. And then simply begin to enter into their story because that's where you're getting a sense of who they are and maybe it's beginning then, in some sense, the opportunity to begin to bring them back to Jesus and to point them to Jesus. So when they may just say, yeah, I don't like the church much because it's full of hypocrites. Anybody ever heard that? So. And you can say, oh, you know, you're right. And Jesus had a lot to say about hypocrites. Because if we read our Bible, he did talk about a hypocrite. In fact, God has a whole series. Of- God doesn't like false religion and practicing and showmanship either. And so maybe that's the beginning of the conversation to say, oh, yeah, I know. I don't care much for hypocrites either. And Jesus didn't care much for them. Maybe we talk about what did Jesus say about being a hypocrite? And that might be one way you begin to enter in the conversation. And we may get pushback when you begin to talk about Jesus. John got back; People started asking him all kinds of questions. And if you read the rest of the chapter, they're like, well, who are you? And are you, are you Elijah, prophet? He's like, I'm not that. Are you the prophet? No, I'm not that. Who are you? And so sometimes we get all kinds of pushback on that. But what John does Is he continues to point back and turn back to say, What I really want to talk about is Jesus. Again, the story, the road to get there can be long. And that's the hard part. And it also assumes that we know the story. Because what I want us to hear today is that sometimes we think, Oh, I just need to talk about Jesus. I don't need to know. We need to know those things, we need to know what our Bibles say. I remember when Christine and I were serving at a church in Texas, and we were doing, a, we had been visited by some missionaries from the Latter day Saints, Mormon missionaries. The two, two young guys come knocking at our door with the white dress shirts and ties on and their little name tags, and they're telling us about what they believe. And so we had these conversations with them, and I, I didn't know a whole lot about Mormonism. I didn't know a whole lot about the Church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints, and so I was listening to their story, and so I started learning more about who they were and, and the things they believe and the differences between them and the Bible, and, and we decided to do a class at our church, the church we were serving, in, and, and to learn about Mormonism, and so we had some videos, and we were talking about those things, but what was fascinating in these videos that we were sharing with people was it began with a story from someone, and they were talking about people converting to Mormonism. And this video, as they were sharing, they said the biggest source of conversions, or when they looked across all the people who had converted to Mormonism from these missionary visits, the largest percentage of people who came from any one group were, in, in this case, a particular denomination, the Southern Baptists. But think about that for a minute, to say that the Mormons weren't converting people who didn't know anything. The Mormons weren't just finding strangers who didn't have a religion. What they were finding was Christians who were converting. And what the researchers, and as they were presenting in this video, is what they found was the reason they converted over was because when the Mormons presented ideas to them, the people didn't know their own Bibles. They didn't know what who Jesus was. So when the Mormons say, well, that's not really what the Bible says, the Bible says, no, Jesus was just a God. And they would talk and they would share these stories, and people would go like, oh, I didn't know that. And so I want us to remember that while the center of our testimony is Jesus, that doesn't relieve us of the responsibility to know what we believe and why we believe it. Now, does that mean you have to have the answer right away? Does that mean when somebody drops that question on you and says, well, what about, what about all the genocide? What about when God orders all these people killed in the Old Testament? Well, what about all the other religions of the world? What do we do with these things? It doesn't mean you have to re- be able to instantly answer that. Now, there's some you should have some answer for, or at least something but it's perfectly okay to be able to say, you know, that's a good question. I'll get back to you on that and to understand it. And then call me or, or find a book or, or look somewhere on, online. Call someone else you know and say, well, how do I begin to answer this question? But it also should invite you to consider what do you know? Because if all of a sudden you're being asked lots of questions and you don't know, we should know why we believe what we believe. We should know why we believe what we believe. If we're going to... When John came out to testify concerning Jesus, if we're going to testify about who Jesus is, we should at least know who Jesus is and what He's done and why it makes a difference. We wouldn't want to get up on stage and give a presentation on something we know absolutely nothing about. I mean, I'm comfortable standing up here and telling you about Jesus and about the Bible and about the ancient Near East and many of those things. I'm not about to get up here and give you a lecture on how to quilt, how to knit a sweater, how to weld a pipe, how to cut down a tree, at least not safely. Because I don't know about those things. But if I were going to do a presentation, if I were to be asked to give a presentation and to share about one of those things, what would be the first thing I would do? I'd research and I'd learn about it so that I could present and accurately present and be able to answer questions. So if we're going to be called to testify and we are called to testify and share about Jesus, we ought to know about Jesus. Jesus. We ought to know Him personally. We ought to be able to answer some of those questions, which means we need to spend some time reading our Bibles. And if nothing else, just spend some time. If you say, oh, I, I try and I try. Read these four stories, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, these Gospels, these good news of Jesus. And if you have trouble reading, there are different translations if maybe you struggle with the translation. If your eyes aren't working so well, or you're tr- there are audio versions out there. I think we even have some cassette tapes in the church library. There's cassette tapes there's CDs, there's MP3s, there's all kinds of different ways. There are, you saw um, some of the Derby family up here, they just pulled out their phones. These things that so many of us have. There is an incredible app called the you Version, which is created by a covenant church down in Oklahoma, which is just loaded with nearly every translation of the Bible. The great thing about it, my favorite word, Free. It's absolutely free, full of multiple translation with reading plans. with these. And the other great thing is there's a little button on there you can press and you can just listen to it. And if you've got that little screen, you're like, I can't read these words. You just listen to it or you can put it and you can sit and you can listen to those words. And that's, I found even, that there is a difference between reading and listening sometimes. That a passage I've read numerous times I can listen to and, and I hear something different but brings us back to, we need to know who Jesus is, but we're called, like John, to testify concerning the light. To testify to Jesus, which means, let's begin with knowing who Jesus is, but then share with people who he is. Share with them what he's done. But be willing to have a conversation. So as we get ready for communion, we're going to begin our time in preparation for communion with a time of prayer. And remember, if we go back to those five letters, B-L-E-S-S, begins with prayer. And so what I'd like you to do, we're going to take a moment of silence. And what I'd like you to do in that moment of silence is just think about one person, one person in your life who you want to see know Jesus. And ask God to help you. Begin to pray for that person. And then ask God to help you commit to having conversations with that person. not just sliding a gospel presentation under the door, saying, well, here's here's how you know Jesus, but to have a conversation, to hear what's going on in their lives and to see where Jesus might be already at work. Because this is the amazing thing. God gets there before you do. God has already been and already knows more about this person than you will ever know. And God is at work ahead of you. And so we pray so that as we enter into that conversation with somebody, we're entering into a place where God is already at work. Now, it might happen on that first conversation where they're like, "Hey, I want to know more about Jesus. Or it might be 27 conversations later. So maybe your prayer with God might be, God, give me the patience and the perseverance to continue to have these conversations. Because we do like to just get it done. And, and, and part of it isn't just our mentality of the, the, the hurry up society. Part of it is because when we know Jesus and the joy and the hope and the peace that he brings, we want others to have it. And so sometimes we can see somebody's like, I, I just want I want you to have this now. But we also need to be patient. And so hold those two things in tension that excitement, that passion to say, I want you to know Jesus and and to experience the light. But also that tension of saying it might take a little while. Because depending on you, you may have your story or somebody else you may know, it's taken a while. So we're going to begin uh, our preparation for communion with a time of prayer. And during that time of prayer, consider how we can testify about the light. Consider how God might be at work in you and what person it is that you might be a John to. And you might even fill in your own name there if you need to put that verse that says there was a man or there was a woman sent from God and his name or her name was fill in the blank. He or she came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him others might believe.